This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117, and you're listening to Podcast Unlocked, the world's number one Xbox podcast. Now, finish this fight. Master Chief, out. What's happening, friends? Welcome to Podcast Unlocked. It's episode 558. Thankfully, you do not have to suffer through a one-person podcast. I am by myself here in the San Francisco studio. We've got Stella in Germany at Gamescom. We've got Miranda on vacation. But dialing in remotely from the comfort of his home is the one, the only Destin Legary. Hi, Destin. Bam. Hey, everybody. Excellent. Excellent. Good to see you. And then joining us, friend of the show from the Iron Lords podcast, all hail Lord Cognito. Good to see you, my friend. In the realm of a lot, good to see you. Lord Ryan, Lord Destin, how you doing? It's good to be back. A lot of uh, Xbox news to talk about. A lot of things just going on in general in the gaming sphere. I'm super pumped. I'm excited to be back in the realm of a lot. Thanks for having me. You always bring the energy level up here, which I appreciate. And uh, yeah, we, we are recording the show a little later this week. Xbox had their six-hour stream today, Thursday, as we were recording. So we thought we'd hold on just in case we got anything new. We did get a really cool new Atomic Heart trailer, which I recommend watching if you haven't seen it already. Um, but otherwise, we've got a, a pretty good show planned for you. But I want to start with the hot topic of the moment here on Thursday. Uh, it's not Xbox-related directly, but it certainly begs the question about what Xbox will or won't do in response. Uh, Destin, it is the fact that Sony in a lot of territories, the United States not being one of them, Sony's raised the price on the PS5. So we're not beyond, we're not going to talk about the implications of that for PlayStation, but rather for the implications or lack thereof for Xbox. Destin, we got a statement from Microsoft already, didn't we? Yeah, Windows Central reached out, and uh, it sounds like Xbox will not be raising console prices via Windows Central. Here's what they said. In a statement to Windows Central, a Microsoft spokesperson confirmed that there are no plans to raise the price of the Xbox Series X or the Xbox Series S, reiterating that they will remain at their baseline RRPs in various currencies, including US dollar, GBP, and EUR, Euro. I don't know. Yes, Euro. (laughs) You got it, my friend. (laughs) The quote they have is, we are constantly evaluating our business to offer our fans great gaming options. Our Xbox Series S suggests a retail price remains at $299, $499. Yes, for Series S and Series X, respectively. Uh, Cog, are you you surprised that Microsoft is so quick to to uh, confirm this, cl- clearly it's it would indicate, I mean, they're not just going to then two weeks later go ahead and increase the price. Uh, otherwise, they wouldn't have said anything. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's it's an easy PR win for Microsoft to respond to this. So they can still stay in line with their overall strategy. I think what kind of helps them in this situation is they've positioned themselves, in my opinion, as the most budget, consumer-friendly console. And then you look at a service like Game Pass in conjunction with this service and a Series S, it really makes them look really well right now. And, and Sony's going to have to deal with the, the opposite PR hit of this price hit. Now, we do know it's not the United States. Yeah. It is affected other territories. But yeah, this was a surprise. This was a big surprise to me seeing this news come across my line. Yeah, Destin, a lot of, a lot of go people ahead. pointed out one thing to me, Ryan, that yeah. I do think it's important to bring up. Uh, India has actually seen a price increase for the Xbox Series X and S. That is due to the value of the uh, rupee, I believe, is their currency. It has just like 
plummeted over the last year, you can go see the value of their dollar. So there was an adjustment to keep it at the, the, the price value that it launched right. at. Okay. So that, that was made. Okay. Well, that is good context to have, certainly. And yeah, we live in unprecedented times. It just continues. That's what's amazing to me is I have been a games media professional for... It's going to be 20 years this fall, which is crazy Ooh. unto itself. But we're seeing things in this console generation that we have never seen before from Microsoft uh, coming out with two different horsepower level consoles as, as a, a new next generation family of consoles to now a console getting a price increase nearly two years into the generation. So, yeah, Cog, you called it. I mean, it's it's a layup uh, of PR for Microsoft, which, you know, they've been on the they've been on the wrong end of those for a <laughs> lot of times over the Xbox One generation. So I'm sure they they were uh, I mean, I would imagine the higher up folks like Phil Spencer probably knew this was coming because they have a lot of the same suppliers and they're talking all the same chip makers and what have you. So I, I imagine that Sony price hike didn't come as a huge surprise to some of the higher ups at Microsoft. But boy, it's a it's a horrible news for gamers. I mean, there's there's no you know the only way this is that, that a price hike on any console is good news for a video game fan is if if you're a, a shareholder of the the company that's that's raising the price. There is no <laughs> other even, defense even then. Well, I mean, a lot of analysts have actually talked about this. They don't think it's going to impact demand for the PlayStation Five console, right? And certainly, it, it like. Even the Xbox consoles are still in high demand, so that is true. But um, I mean, it's, it's not good. No. <laughs> yeah. If anything, it should be a wake-up call to everybody about just how bad it has gotten in terms of supply constraints and everything. Well, in the world, yes, the but the value of dollars. The, you know, we've seen time and again uh, throughout this inflationary period where a lot of companies are still managing to take home record profits. Despite passing along all these inflation uh, prices to customers, so th that's like a whole other show. What we yeah. would need, like a professional economist, to help really dive into. But um, yeah, to, I'm, there'll be a there'll be a deep dive next week on Beyond about this from the Sony side. But it really is crazy, just as as a video game player. Period. No matter what you're playing on, and and uh, yeah, glad to hear Microsoft reiterate. They're good. I imagine. I mean, again, this is for reason number seven million why uh, I was totally wrong three years ago about the Series S and Microsoft was totally right that this strategy is validating itself yet again today. The Series S continuing to offer a lower cost uh, entry point into a new generation, which is just it has been such a, a genius move here for Microsoft, and they deserve all the credit for it. Um, speaking of genius stuff, there were some great video games at Gamescom this week. Our ground team there is playing all of them. And I want to start, I want to go around the room. Now, we all watched Opening Night Live with Jeff Keighley. We saw the Xbox stream uh, today as we record, depending on <laughs> Thursday, depending on when you're listening to this. But uh, I, there's a few games I want to that jumped out at me that from either Opening Night Live or the stream that I want to hit on here. And I want to start with High on Life, which is a game, you know, we've talked about this on Unlocked a lot. It is, uh, I'm really bullish on this game. It jumped out at me right from the start. I'm a big Justin Roiland fan. I love Rick and Morty. I love Solar Opposites. And 
Cog, I'm going to go your way first. So first we got this boss fight that if you're watching us on video, we're seeing footage of now. That was it was just this this clip, nothing else, just this right into this boss fight for opening night live. But then down on the floor uh, of Gamescom, the preceding 20 or so minutes before this was playable. We have that entire 25 minute gameplay clip on IGN, which I know you've taken a look at. So I'm curious, uh, you know, this is an Xbox exclusive. It's coming out this fall. It was delayed, but just a little bit. Still 2022. It's hitting in December now. So uh, now that you've seen a bunch of gameplay, how are you feeling about about High on Life? It's funny because, you know, this game came on my radar. I want to shout out um, Mr. Matty Plays from Defining Duke, who he was really bullish on this game. And I, I started to take a look at it, and I really love the unique art style. And the thing that really sold me, honestly, was the fact when the gun started communicating with you and the game does not take itself seriously at all. So once that started, I started to get a feel of what it is. I think Xbox needs these type of games, man. It's just such a fun romp. You have some mechanics, you have some, you know, tra- traversal. And I just thought it was unique in what it was trying to do. And to your point, Ryan, you made a fantastic point in reference to the initial showing of it with this boss fight at Gamescom. I didn't think initially it hit well at first, but then seeing your guys' footage and getting the context leading up to it and more during the fight, it started to really win me over even more. There's some technical issues that I want them to work on, and I know Destin's got things to say, <laughs> but I, I definitely feel that this title has a lot of potential. It's absolutely When the knife came out, it was like, <laughs> give me Adams, let me cut him. Like, that type of humor is not going to be for everyone, but for me, I am in. So, yeah, entire life is definitely on the list for me. Uh, Destin, I know, yeah, you and I have, have kind of... Uh, yeah. reached a fork in the road with this video game. I'm going one way, you're going the other. But but that's, you know, I want to hear your take here. This boss battle gameplay clip really did not do it for me. It wasn't my style of humor. I, I get the knife gag, but he just says the F word way too many times. And to me, I'm like, just because you say, just because you swear doesn't make it funny, doesn't make something funny. When this happens, the audio is like, really grating so like i was really concerned after seeing this boss fight however that said they did release the longer gameplay clip and there are some really really excellent jokes in that 23 minute gameplay clip that actually made me laugh like the one about the one about killing children oh i don't know how to put it mildly well yeah no context it sounds horrible he's actually 30 years old it's okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah but um uh, that one got me pretty good. And there, there's a few others, but uh, there's a lot of profanity that to me, when hearing them say it, I'm just like, this just feels like you're forcing it. Like it, it didn't seem necessary in that moment, but there's some jokes that I really like. And there's some that don't hit flat that hit really flat for me. And I'm in the minority. I know I'm in the minority, but it's just, it's not completely resonating with me the way that I had hoped. All right, I'm going to give you my take, uh, but first, a quick break. We'll be right back after this. All right, we're back. We've heard Lord Cognito chime in on High on Life now that we've seen a a good chunk of gameplay. Destin, a little down on it, but uh, that's how it goes with A, video games in general, and B, especially with comedy. Comedy is so Mm -hmm. subjective. For me, as I said at the top, I'm a big fan of Royland and his work. And this totally worked for me. Now, I will say I was destined. I was with you 
We were watching the opening night live bit together when it was just the boss fight. And I, I was with you like, yeah, this this with no context, just popping into this. And you've got this like uh, uh, overly profane knife, just just yelling. Uh, it was a little kind of uh, it didn't land quite right. But then seeing the rest of the gameplay footage, which, again, I encourage you to watch on IGN.com or YouTube.com slash IGN. It really it came together for me again, and I am back to being totally bullish on this game. I can't wait for it. I'm glad they're getting a couple extra months of polish. I'm glad they took it uh, because it's still it, we're looking at a still a relatively quiet fall, uh, particularly as far as as top level exclusives go for Xbox, which we're going to talk about that more in a minute. So, yeah, decide for yourself. Take a look on IGN. But it was great to see finally some continuous gameplay of High on Life, which has uh, really impressed me ever since its unveil at the showcase back in June. Watch the 20 plus minute clip. It's much better than just the oh, boss yeah. clip. And like, yeah, e- even I remember like the player picking the wrong answer and then they kind of make fun of the player. I really like that stuff. So there yeah. is some great stuff. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, it's, really it's good. self-aware in all the best ways. Uh, all right. The next, another Xbox exclusive that I want to talk about is Pentiment. This now, Destin, we were just talking a week or two ago on Unlocked about how it just feels like even Microsoft is not really talking much about this game. It is an Xbox exclusive narrative adventure. I guess it's more of an adventure than an RPG. But from Josh Sawyer, this incredibly decorated senior designer slash director at Obsidian, one of the the highest profile of all of Microsoft's uh, new studio acquisitions. But Gamescom arrives and we get some hands-on impressions here too. Again, I implore everyone to go read those impressions from Rebecca Valentine and Joe Screbbles on IGN.com. But Destin Pentiment is... It is a Middle Ages murder mystery with, you know, this completely unique painterly, you know, period appropriate art style. Yeah, Um, the art is based off of art of the time. And I thought that was really cool. And so now that you've read about like what gameplay is and you've seen a little bit more of it, uh, I'm curious where you are with this, because for me, this is totally up my alley. But I feel like this is going to be a super niche game. And I don't say that in an insulting way towards this game. I just think the, the fact that it's an adventure game that it's it's got this like it really is leaning into everything. It's like you know it, it's like a this is like a gamer's uh, like a, a real kind of gamer's game here. There's there's I, I don't think even Obsidian would would argue with the suggestion this is not a mass market kind of game. Well, even after we saw As Dust Falls like come out with all these trailers and conversations about the game before it was released. And I was pretty down on it. I had no idea what to expect from that property. And then I played it. I'm like, this is pretty good. Like, I like what they managed to do here. And hearing them actually discuss, like, what Sawyer and, and his teammate wants to do over at Obsidian to bring this to life is exciting, actually. I kind of like that idea of playing with history. Yeah. And, and how the art style is influenced from actual art from that time period. So it's another one where I'm like, I'm going to have to give this a shot because when it launched, it also landed flat for me, you know, but uh, hopefully it's another as thus fall situation where I end up really liking it. Now, Cog, uh, Game Pass could be 
this again seems like the kind of game that's that's such a great fit for Game Pass in the sense that, you know, it is obviously not like I said, I again, I don't say it insultingly, but not a mass market game, I don't think by any means. But it's the kind of thing where if, if good buzz gets around, like with As Dusk Falls, you're going to get a lot of people trying this out through Game Pass. Yeah, absolutely. Good point. I, I love uh, Dustin's point in reference to um, As Dusk Falls as a comparative uh, nature, because that was one of the games that I had my eye on. But once you you dive deeper, you're like, wow, there's a lot of meat here. And it pleasantly surprised me. Now, I got to be honest, Pentiment, I'm first of all, I'm a huge Obsidian fan. Yeah. Like Obsidian is literally like my first round draft pick of the Xbox Game Studios. When they were acquired, I'm like Obsidian, Obsidian. So I love everything they do. So I'll be honest, when I first saw Pentiment, I was in the Destiny camp, like it didn't wow me. I didn't know where it was going. And I, yeah. I built my expectations too high in like a double A AA or triple A space. So when I started to learn more about it, then I take a step back. There's a lot here. And I think the thing about it is, first of all, like what the name means, like Pentiment, like there's a painting uncovered underneath and you, you learn to discover there's a murder mystery here. There's a lot of elements of a game that I like called Disco Elysium. Yes. And Disco Elysium, I love that game. And it really gets you into the characters and the choices. And it's really no game over state in Pentiment, it seems, based on the interview. You guys did a, ph- a phenomenal interview with, uh, with Josh Sawyer. I, I'm really coming around. I'm coming around on it. And I, I think there's a lot of potential here. I, I think the time period has never really been done. It's a unique art style. And I'm, I'm in, man. And I think it may be, if it, if it does well, it might be one of those games like it as does Falls. that if people give it a chance because of Game Pass, right? And the, the, it affords you that opportunity to say, you know what? All right, it's in the service. It's free 99. Let me try. And yeah. then here you go. You might have a new genre you like. And hey, it's, you know what? You know, sorry, Ryan. Go ahead. Uh, you know what else, Cognito? Um, there was another game revealed during the the Microsoft show, Planet of Lana, and they also talked about how they have this huge opportunity because of Game Pass. Like, they're going to be on Game Pass. They got the funding to complete that game because of it. And Pentiment, it's allowing these people at Obsidian to sort of experiment with new stuff. And I'm all about that. Anytime people want to try a new thing, even if it's not for me, like High on Life, Ryan, maybe not for me. But hey, if that creates like a new style of game that people end up liking, great. That's awesome. Yeah. I love experimentation. Well, Destin, you know what's a, a great example of exactly what you're talking about is a fellow Obsidian game. Look at Grounded. You know, Grounded and yes. Pentiment have Good similarities point. in that they're both small teams within Obsidian, while the larger team is there are two larger teams working on Outer Worlds 2 and Avowed. But you've got these smaller, you know, call them artisan projects and grounded was what with 14 people i know i don't know how many people pentiment is but i'll bet it's not too many more than that uh and grounded through the xbox game preview program has built up a a huge player base and is now you know i mean it's a, so it's a different path to release i mean pentiment is just going to come out as as a you know more traditional release it's not a game preview thing that's going to evolve over over uh, you know more than a year or two but like that's a great model of how Game Pass can fuel the success of a smaller scale, you know, game that that might ordinarily have slipped through the cracks. Yeah, big time, big time. I agree. I, I think indies really can thrive in this system because you get that exposure, like you said, Ryan, and you get people to take a chance. And, and once they get in, again, you may discover something yeah. that you may not have realized you liked in the first place. We've got a date, November fifteenth. For Pentiment. So I will be there. Yeah, I will be there day one for that game. 
that is that is hot, has moved up on my list after seeing more of it this week at Gamescom. Now, a game. God of War. <laughs> I might be busy. Oh, that's true. I'm going to have to finish <laughs> yeah. God of War first. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll get to Pentiment whenever Sorry, I finish Xbox. God of War. Hey, <laughs> it'll be there. It'll be there. Yeah, because I don't want to get spoiled on on Ragnarok stuff. I got to make sure I finish it. Uh, next, a game that that is just back from complete obscurity. I don't I I would have put money down in Las Vegas that this game that we'd never see this game again, let alone it would ever release. So I would have lost some money on this one. Dead Island 2 is back. Uh, it was re-revealed at opening night live. And it, I have to say, it to me is looking and sounding really fun. This is a game that has changed developers not once, but twice. I did a little thought exercise on Twitter the other day uh, about you know trying to come up with a list of not just any game, but let's say good games that have transitioned developers mid-project. There have been plenty of games that have transitioned publishers and plenty of games that have changed hands from one game to the sequel, but actually the these, the very game moving developers within within the same development arc, it's a pretty short list. Uh, you have Final Fantasy VII Remake turned out very well. Metal Gear Rising Revengeance turned out very well. Killer Instinct doesn't even really count because it had come out already and it changed developers for the you know second season of content. So that's about the whole list. And now you've got Dead Island 2, which has changed hands twice from Jaeger to Sumo Digital and now to Deep Silver Dambuster. But uh, to me, Cog, I want to get you to weigh in here because I was really impressed by this demo. And I had, I have to admit, I'll be honest, I had my expectations set very low because it's been so long, because it's changed hands a couple of times. I thought if this thing's getting to the finish line, you know, I don't, it's, it's an old gen game that's just been dragged, dragged, you know, out to, onto new gen consoles, but no, it's looking really good to me. Yeah, I'm in agreement. It's a pleasant surprise. I didn't have high expectations coming into it. And when I saw it, the first thing I like about it is the tone, the tone of them not really, again, taking themselves ultra seriously. Usually when you get the zombie genre, you always get the dreary post-apocalyptic, everybody scavenging for resources kind of a vibe. This was just fun, lighthearted and creative in the way you can kill zombies. I thought that was hilarious. And it is visceral. Like, they are doing things. I, I think one of the devs are, like, talking about the engine. Like, they have, like, a specific type of name for the engine and how creative you could really dismember and, and, uh, and you know, mutilate the zombie that you're fighting. I like it. And the, I think the last thing that was really intriguing to me was that they kind of talked about how the infection or whatever also affects the character yeah. and how that will play a factor into the game. So, replay co-op. Worth the romp to try it out, man. I, they they definitely get won me over. Now I am interested because before I was looped. All right, we're going to get Destin's take on Dead Island 2 right after this. We are back. Destin Legary, Dead Island yeah. 2. Your thoughts? I mean, because it's this again. Who Who would have ever thought this would come out and get a release date, by the way, February 3rd, 2023. Uh, hopefully they're confident in that because if that delays, people are going to be like, it's never coming out. But your thoughts on the gameplay demo that we got? Yeah, I am looking at my footage from 2014 <laughs> of the original game right now, and uh, it has changed a lot. I am all in on the new Dead Island. I really, really am excited 
to see more of this game. I love what I've read about it. I like about the I like how the dismemberment is described, and I'm really excited to see what they've managed to do there. Um, I'm not really that into the zombie genre, but I really liked. We talked about it off air, right? Dead Rising, right? Was the one yeah. with Frank West? Yeah. Yep. I loved Dead Rising back in the day, and it, it had that humor with like zombies, but you could do sort of silly stuff with it. Oh, this yeah. This is really leaning into gore and the tech behind the gore, but also it has that humor element also. So it's like, it's got a lot of stuff that I like. It has like a technology innovation and the gore mechanic, and it also has like humor. So I'm really excited about this. The more I read about it, the more I learn about it, the more I can't wait to See, I don't hate everything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Cog, I think you were right on the money with, with the tone being like, that seems to, that's a common thing I'm hearing from everybody is, is, you know, that, that the tone is, it's playful. It's, it's not afraid to embrace the fact that it's a, it's a zombie slaying video game in the, in the California sun, right? Like it's yeah. almost as if, you know, they not that the, I'm not saying this was intentional. I'm I'm obviously like projecting a little bit here, or maybe just imagining a little narrative. But but obviously this game went. The developers said that the uh, Deep Silver Dam Buster team said they started over four years ago, and this is set in L.A. And so you know whether intentionally or maybe just subconsciously, you've got tens of millions of players. You know uh, who have spent a lot of time in a very particular recreation of open world LA in the form of Grand Theft Auto V. And so there's that kind of inherent familiarity to it that I think might play to Dead Island 2's strength. And it's like, not that this is this is not a Grand Theft Auto game by any stretch, but but just it's almost like that inherent familiarity with, with you know, because mo- I think most players have spent a lot of time in Los Santos at this point. And so, you know, you get another interpretation overrun with zombies that you can just murder in overly over the top, disgusting ways. I mean, my my favorite clip is uh, which I'm sure we had already we already rolled here was where you, you actually punch the zombie through the like completely through the face, which is just like it's you know, it's so ridiculous uh, and disgusting in the, in the cheekiest of ways that that, yeah, I think this thing. It's it's definitely got some momentum here, which, you know, you could have you probably would not have bet on that even a year ago, even six months ago. that this thing would be re-revealed and have some good momentum. And hopefully it is going to hit its February 3rd date. And if it does and if it turns out as well as as it's looking right now, it could be on a list of one of one games that have switched changed hands twice mid-development and turned out to be good video games. Great point. Don't want to understate that. The studio change and if they turn this thing around, that's always cool to see because those are the, those are those rare positive stories when you have the development situation. Yeah. The way they work. yeah. I mean, making games is tough and, and Dead Island 2, changing hands a couple times, it's, it's got to up the degree of difficulty even more. So credit to the team for plugging away for the last four years to bring us Dead Island 2 finally. Uh, okay, so the... Another sort of notable news item that I want to pivot into a broader conversation here about Xbox is Sonic Frontiers. Big game. We obviously we did a whole month of coverage with IGN first in June, which everybody loved because everybody clicked on it. Uh, So huge game for this fall. 
And in fact, opening night live and Gamescom have really cemented what this fall, this Q4 that's about to start is going to look like for Xbox fans. And, you know, we've been talking about how so many things, all these heavy hitters have been pushed into 2023. That's still true. But I compiled a list of big games, big games and exclusives that are coming out between now and the end of 2022. And it's still a pretty good list. Admittedly, yeah, it's it's light on those heavy hitters. But like, take a listen to this, guys, and, and give me your highlights. What you know, what, what what are the fall games on Xbox that you're most looking forward to? So the first one on the list, uh, by the way, I did these in chronological order. So September 27th, the aforementioned Grounded getting its full 1.0 release, obviously going into Game Pass there and obviously an exclusive. So that kicks off Xbox's fall. October 4th, multi-platform game, clearly, although it's about to be owned by Microsoft. Overwatch mm-hmm. 2, big game, October 4th. You've got A Plague Tale Requiem on October 18th. Not an exclusive, but it is launching directly into Game Pass. So you can pay $60 for it on your PlayStation 5, or you can pay $0 for it and just pay your Game Pass bill uh, for that month, and you've got it there. Gotham Knights, not exclusive, but it is a next-gen only game. Of course, they, as you all know, they deleted the, they dropped the PS4. They just deleted it. <laughs> they they backgirled it. Yeah, it, it's just it's just gone. I mean, I they they might have deleted it. I don't know if they don't plan to release it. What else is it just going to sit on a hard drive somewhere? I don't know. We don't know what shape it was in, but. Anyway, Gotham Knights, October 21st. That is arguably one of the two, one of the two biggest games for this fall, no matter what platform you're playing on. Then you have New Tales from the Borderlands on October 21st, which is very near and dear to my heart. Uh, and by the way, I'd like to point out, as the resident adventure game super fan here at IGN, there are three awesome high-profile adventure games coming out this fall which I never in a million years would have guessed, Pentiment and New Tales from the Borderlands and Return to Monkey Island. Uh, Now, Monkey Island's only PC and Switch. I'll be playing it on PC, but three big new adventure games. I'm so excited for that. Um, Anyway, next one on the list for Xbox's fall is an exclusive. It's one we've been waiting for for over two years, and it is Scorn. That's October 21st. Again, straight into Game Pass. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, arguably the other highest profile, the other biggest game of the fall, along with Gotham Knights. Obviously multi-platform, though, again, Microsoft will own it very soon, October 28th. We get into November, the aforementioned Sonic Frontiers, a multi-platform release on November 8th. Skull and Bones that same day. Pentiment, which we just talked a bunch about, exclusive, Game Pass Day 1, November 15th there. Goat Simulator 3, November 17th, Callisto Protocol, another big multi-platform game, getting a lot of uh, a lot of press lately, December 2nd, and then rounding it out for 2022, the first one on the list was an exclusive day one game pass that was grounded. The last one on the list, High on Life, December 13th, after its two-month delay, that is an exclusive heading into game pass. So, uh, Destin, let me go your way first. What do you make of that lineup for the fall? That's a pretty... I think that's a very strong lineup because the thing we've been hearing is that like it's a really light year, but we're about to get into the time when there are a lot of 
pretty great games coming right around the corner. And for me, like just looking down this list, uh, Plague Tale is the first one that jumps out at me. Very excited about Plague Tale Requiem. Uh, Gotham Knights. I'm excited to try out Scorn, Call of Duty, Sonic Frontiers, Skull and Bones. Pentiment is what I'm sort of interested in, but I need to see if I end up liking it the way that I like. Um, what was it? As Dust Falls. Yeah. Yeah. And then Callisto Protocol is what I'm very excited for. Like most of the games coming, I'm excited for. Like Overwatch, I'm not that into, but most of them, I'm I'm really looking forward to. Uh, let's see. Let's get the time for yes. One more quick break. It's the last one. I promise. Be right back after this. All right, Lord Cognito, the floor is yours. We've just heard. I've just run through the fall lineup of big games for Xbox, and I'm curious. What are the highlights for you? What do you make of it as a whole? You know, you heard Destin talk about the, you know, we've just been heard time and again that uh, it's a pretty weak year. And again, there are definitely a ton of heavy hitters that pushed into 2023. But I just rattled off like a good, I don't know, dozen plus games, four of which are are Xbox exclusives, five of which are day one game pass. What do you make of the lineup for this fall? I think it's still solid. You know, I know we've come through a a very tough year as far as delays of the heavy hitters. Starfield was my heart. it broke my heart when I heard that news. I'll see the Redfall situation. But if you look at it objectively, I look at this list and I have a Plague Tale in this list. Overwatch and Call of Duty, I know eventually because of the Activision deal that most likely will close, right? This is something that I could game interested because eventually we would assume those are going to come into Game Pass yes. at some point. So now I have interest, you know, something to, to check out. I think Callisto Protocol looks phenomenal. I think the potential of that game pretty much in like a dead space kind of a vibe. It's visceral. It looks cool. They, they're hitting certain notes for that community that I think are really cool. Um, we talked about Pentiment. We talked about, obviously, um, oh, with Gotham Knights, which you mentioned. I'm a fan, you know, DC. I'm willing to give it a shot, man. I'm willing to see a DC universe, you know, that, I mean, Cat, well, I mean, I'm excuse me, Batgirl in there. And, um, you know, seeing all the different, you know, iterations and the co-op aspect, how that's implemented. Another game that's not on this list that I want to give props to is Evil West. Oh, yes. yes. Yeah, is that no, this year? Yes. It got oh. delayed, but it's still delayed. It went from September to November. I got a chance. Being, uh, the Lord's Lord's giving that that We got a chance to cover Good this call. game. And I'm going to tell you right now, it was literally like Red Dead setting with Devil May Cry stylish action with Dark Souls-like bosses. Evil West literally was the game of our show that blew us away. And it had AAA vibes. I think it's Wild Hog and Focus Entertainment, um, Focus Home Entertainment. Keep your eyes on that one. I, I, I was hoping that Microsoft would maybe, you know, see if they could negotiate a game pass bag for them. Because I think this thing has tremendous potential, man. But yeah, this list is phenomenal. Of course, High on Life, which me and Ryan like that. Destin, I don't know. We got we to gotta win Destin over on some, some weapons that oh, don't curse. Too I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it because the, the 23 minutes of gameplay did would, did make me laugh a few times. So yeah. I'm like, all right, maybe I do have a sense of humor. But to your point, <laughs> you, you're making a phenomenal point. It may not hit for everyone, though. So I understand those are those type of games that the jokes have to land for you personally. But look, if you look at it objectively, this is still a solid end of the year release cadence. And I, I like what's going on. And we, we know 2023 looks bright. But yeah, I'm, I'm hyped for these games, man. I'm definitely hyped. And, and I think it is worth pointing out, too. I know, you know, we beat the Game Pass drum here a lot, obviously. But Microsoft has... does They deserve that, uh, you know, the love, the, the flowers for Game Pass. Uh, I'll just make the point that 
of all those games, again, it was over a dozen games that I listed as, as big things coming to Xbox this fall. You, If you spend, if you have a Game Pass subscription, which obviously is not free, but if you are just maintaining that subscription, you're paying that money, that 15 bucks a month, or maybe the, the 10 for the base Game Pass. If you don't spend another dime this, fo- this fall, you still have five games, five new games that are, you know, the big new releases that are going to be hitting your Game Pass subscription this fall, grounded in the one, you know, final 1.0 release there, Scorn and uh, Plague Tale Requiem, Pentiment and High on Life. Like, so you could spend no zero additional dollars and still have plenty of new games to play this fall. And, you know, again, Microsoft deserves a ton of credit for that. And, and you know, that's that's a thought exercise that's really going to be interesting to do next year when, when when stuff like Starfield and Redfall start hitting. And it's like, well, you if you spend zero dollars on top of your Game Pass sub, you're still getting this, 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 this. So. But for a quick second, um, and we talked about early, obviously, the big breaking story with PlayStation and the price hike. And then we, we have to talk about obviously a little bit, you know, $70 games is still a, a discussion, right? And, and in these times, based on the you know financial climate, again, the way Xbox has positioned themselves as the most budget kind of consumer friendly Xbox all access, they want you in the series S, they want you in the ecosystem at all, you know, chances you get, whatever, whatever regardless of what device you have. So I think they really setting themselves up. So even in a year like this, like you said, Ryan, eloquently, like, Game having a, a subscription like Game Pass, you are still going to be afforded, you know, Scorn, Grounded, Pentiment, you know, High on Life, you know, Plague Tale. These are really high quality games that, again, some people would pay $60, $70 for that they don't have to because they're in the service. Well said. Uh, next up, Phil Spencer sitting down with Bloomberg this week. The interview was mostly talking about the upcoming Activision acquisition and that having to close after after getting uh, federal approval. And, you know, it was mostly about Microsoft, uh, Phil saying, oh, well, I feel good about it. That's kind of the bottom line version. I mean, of course, we love Phil. But, but of course, the Microsoft guy who orchestrated the deal is going to say he, he's going to feel good about it. And, and that's that's what's and he's going to convey that publicly. But to me, the thing I want to bring up with you gentlemen is the, the really interesting tidbit for me was at the end of this piece on, on uh, the end of the interview as it was written up on Bloomberg. And it was this it was this paragraph. While Microsoft is focused on completing the Activision acquisition, Spencer said he remains on the hunt for more content, whether by investing in new games, partnerships or further deals. Xbox wants to add content and creators in the regions of the globe where it's less strong. Quote, I'm always thinking about things that add to our capability, Phil Spencer said. Even though we've worked on our geographic expansion, I'd still say we have too many of our creators in places that are our traditional markets. Now, that means a certain thing to me, but Destin, I want to go your way first because I feel like I've been yammering up a storm I want to give you guys a chance to uh, to get the conversation started here. What do you make of of Phil's statement there about about continued partnerships and acquisitions? Yeah, he wants people from other places other than North America, right? So he wants to go global and get other creators making stuff for Xbox. Look, Final Fantasy being PlayStation exclusive—that's a big deal. How how close those 
those two companies are, uh, isn't great for Xbox players. You know, we we miss out on a lot of great games because of that. And I think he's talking about expanding Xbox's reach, for lack of a better term, to other territories to speak to a broader range of people. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing what you're getting at is too is that micro the Xbox is. It it's already very competitively strong in the North American market, in the South American market, and it's it's uh, obviously its struggles in Japan are well known, and there are other other you know European markets and other other territories around the world where Xbox is just completely like a a barely there neck compared to PlayStation. PlayStation is just the absolute dominant platform. And, and so, yeah, how do you fix that? Well, maybe you go get some games that, that play to those territories, audiences, Cog, and, your thoughts and, on this one. Oh, Destin, please finish your thought. All right. Just last thing. And in the, on the Japan note, they're selling the Xbox series X and S very well in Japan. They've already outsold the Xbox one generation of consoles and I don't remember, but they're doing pretty well against where the 360 landed also. Yeah. Yeah, they are tracking now. Again, it's sadly it's a low bar for Xbox yeah. in Japan, but they they are tracking well relative to that here less than 2 years into the generation. Uh Cog, your thoughts on on Phil's statement about continued growth and expansion. Yeah, um Ryan, a very astute catch. I love that statement because to me, the way I look at them, the way they position after the Activision Blizzard thing, as well as the um, Zenimax acquisition Bethesda, is like now you've kind of cornered the Western RPG. You have FPS shooters. You have a lot of the PC space. And I think King portion of the deal is very underrated for the mobile aspects. I think they really have interest there. But I think to me, when I hear them talk about other regions, and Destin also said it with Japan, I want to give them some credit because... We look at, I'm right now I'm playing a game called Naraka Blade Point, and I'm absolutely enthralled with this game, right? And these are games that historically would have missed the platform during the Xbox One generation, right? You see the Persona 5 deal. That's phenomenal. I look at what they're doing there, and I see, even with uh, the, the Sega uh, partnership a little bit with Azure, and then you see Sega bringing games over, stuff like that. But what I really want them to do, what Phil alluded to in the interview, which is getting content from creators in these other regions and developers in these other regions. So if you could facilitate that with an acquisition or a Japanese publisher, you know, I'm a big Sega fan. If they want to, if they want to finalize that, I'm a Sega kid at heart. So I'm always going to push for that. You know, I'm a big platinum games fan, you know, platinum seems like they're, they're available. They're looking to be, you know, maybe mend some fences. We don't know. I don't know the extent of the, the, the scale of our situation, but it would be cool to, to, for them to continue to pursue the other regions and, deficiencies where they're weak at. I think that kind of well rounds them. And the last thing I have to pump for, I mean, Phil, if anyone's listening on Xbox, please, the fighting game genre, the fighting game community, we, need, we miss you, we need you. You know, Killer Instinct sitting there looking for developer. You know, I, I'm just looking around like they, this is just another thing that we could just patch that gap. They're doing a good job all around. There's little holes that they can patch genre-wise, and I would love that to be. This is good stuff, uh, yeah, you couldn't. You could not be more accurate about about the fighting game situation. Of uh, that, that, that they had that hole patched up pretty well with with Killer Instinct, but that that hole has sprung another leak again here uh, <laughs> in recent years. But I'm so glad, Cog, that you mentioned Platinum Games because I had them on my list too. I agree. Like, you know, I know we're Microsoft themselves has 
been raising the bar on the on the scope of these acquisitions going from, you know, developers like Obsidian that you mentioned you're you're a big fan of to uh, publishers, you know, doing the seven and a half billion dollar ZeniMax Bethesda deal to then doing the $70 billion Activision deal that we're waiting to see finalized. And so, you know, it just seems like, you know, it's escalation every single time. And well, you can't really escalate past $70 billion. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Platinum because if, if we're not going to get a publisher level mega acquisition from, from Xbox again anytime soon, maybe we will, maybe we won't. I think you hit the nail on the head. Platinum is somehow they're not already owned by another <laughs> big publisher and they are just so talented. They're they're time and again, those guys knock out incredible stuff. I mean, one of the games, you know, I, I talked earlier in the podcast about the short list of games that changed hands, changed developers, mid-development, and turned out good. Not just not just made it to market and got out the door, but actually were good games. And one of those games I listed was Metal Gear Rising Ooh. Revengeance. Ooh. Who finished that game? Platinum finished that game. Uh, they are a very talented team. They were even able to you know, swoop in on, on Metal Gear and, and get that thing done and, and have it shining and have it be awesome. And so, yeah, I think you're, you're right on the money. I could not agree with you more with regard to Platinum. But the, and the, the one, you know, Destin already knows what I'm going to say. I've said this before a number of times on the show. I... If you are going to go for a bigger fish, I agree that Japan is the market to go to because Tango Gameworks, the fine developer uh, of, uh, of of course, the Evil Within games uh, and more recently uh, Ghostwire, thank you, which we're waiting to just come over to, to Xbox after its exclusivity window with PlayStation ends. Very talented developer. Of course, the original creator of Resident Evil uh, runs that studio. But that's their only Japanese asset, basically. And, and yeah. I think if you're going to take a big swing in Japan, Capcom. Capcom Ooh. would be the one. Now, again, I don't, they might not be for sale. Maybe everybody's for sale if you write a big enough number on a napkin and slide it across the table. I don't know. But, uh, but they've just got so many great... They've got so much great talent and so many great IPs between... Obviously, Resident Evil continues to live on and be... So well loved, so successful, so respected. Uh, you know, you've got Dead Rising in there. That's that's you know, it's in the vault right now, but it could be brought back out. You've got the classics like Mega Man, Bionic Commando. Oof, there's a oof. lot. Dragon's Dogma. There's a lot you could do. Street Fighter. Yeah, with Capcom. So Xbox could scale their operations in Japan. Something's <laughs> bound to happen. <laughs> Are you implying Destiny Legary? I've been sitting <laughs> on that something? one for like 10 minutes. <laughs> really? That's what you, you've been quiet this long, and that's what you were waiting to say. I right. interrupt you. I've <laughs> been cooking up. Oh, <laughs> man. No, it's all good. So, so we'll see. Yeah. I mean, feel free to check out the full interview with Phil Spencer on Bloomberg.com. But yeah, that bit, that bit about, about trying to, you know, keep, Keep the uh, M&A stuff rolling or the partnerships going. That's that's where my brain went, just like you guys, just straight to Japan. That seems like the the most logical leap. All right. How much time we got here? All right. We're Hopefully down to something happens and it doesn't keep dragging on. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> 
When are I used to do this a lot more on the show? When when are when does Stella and Miranda get back? Yo, you know what, Cog, you stay. You stay, Destin. Fair enough. Well, uh, you know. <laughs> no, I love you, Destin. All right, uh, let's do a trivia question before we go. We've got a few minutes to uh, to play with here. Our question: See, okay, I think this is an easy one. That's, okay, then that's, I know the answer. that's either famous last words for you guys, and it's going to make you guys look bad, or you will also be like, oh, yeah, I know that one, no problem. But I figure even if it is a layup, I got, you know, you throw in a layup from time to time, got to get the confidence boosted, especially, you know, Destin, whose heart is always in this competition, this Xbox trivia competition, trying to win that trophy at the end of the year. Eric from California asks this one. Just prior to the opening of Halo Combat Evolved, what UNSC protocol was invoked by Captain Keys, which ultimately led to the discovery of the Halo ring? Was it A, the Kilmer protocol, B, the lockdown protocol, C, the Cole protocol, or D, the Halsey protocol? Now, do either of you think you know it? I feel very confident. Okay. Let's go. I'm going to go Cogsway first, then. I'll go to our guest mm-hmm. first. See how he's feeling about this. He's he's playing this pretty stone faced right now. I can't really, <laughs> I can't read him. I can't read him to see how. I think it's a cold protocol. <laughs> All right. So you're going with the cold protocol, Destin. I agree. It's the cold protocol, which I believe is when the UNSC ships randomly jump to avoid Covenant forces. Yeah. Well done, gentlemen. Cold protocol yeah. is correct. I'm glad you both got that one. So you are, let me update the scoring. Cog, I think you were already on the board from earlier this year, one of your earlier appearances <laughs> on Unlocked. Here we go. Uh, where are you? Oh, maybe not. There's also a book called The Cold Protocol. The so. Cold Protocol, yeah. <laughs> All it right, helps. now you're on the board. All <laughs> nice. right, one point. Destin, six points, tying Stella Ooh. for second place, trailing Miranda and her eight points. Ooh. So we will play again. Next week, uh, we've got just a couple minutes left. Cog, I want to thank you, as always, for taking the time to come on. Uh, you know, I mentioned just I very briefly mentioned the Iron Lords podcast at the top, but you you're up to some you're, you're up to plenty of stuff in the Xbox community. Please take the take a minute here. Remind everybody what you're up to and where they can find you now that they've spent a fun hour with you and they want to follow you on Twitter. They want to check out your other podcasts. Go ahead, my friend. Absolute pleasure. First of all, to be at Unlocked. Again, huge fan of you guys. You guys are legends. This is so much fun. Always to, to have the time to talk. Yeah, I'm Lord Cognito on Twitter, at Lord Cognito on Twitter. Every Sunday is the Lord's Day, I Lord's Podcast for lifelong friends. Just, you know, talking about gaming, celebrating our developers and, and content creators in the industry and their journey. So you can catch that on Sunday on the I Lord's Podcast YouTube channel. Also, I do an uh, Xbox-focused podcast with the, called Defining Duke. With Mr. Matty Plays on Last Day of Media. Yes. And then obviously LordsofGaming.net is Games Media. We try to, again, celebrate the indie games, the developers, the, the creators, the people who actually put the effort in and learn behind the scenes what's coming out. So, uh, yes, huge, huge fan of everything that we're doing right now and also supporting young talent and getting, getting, giving them their start. In the, in the journalistic field to, to try to write articles and, and uh, celebrate these games that we love. But uh, yeah, absolute pleasure to be here again with the legends. Had a lot of fun. Well, I've had the pleasure of being on both of your other podcasts and had a great time. 
on each one. You do such a wonderful job. And, and LordsGaming.net is... You're really doing a wonderful job with that. You and the, the whole team. I know it is not a one-person effort over there. And everybody should check that out. Uh, we, we need more good, quality, informative, uh, enthusiastic media outlets. Uh, it, not fewer. You know, there's, there's far, far too few these days. I mean, compared to when I first got into the game an eon ago, it's, uh, we need more voices, more, more talent. And uh, Lords of Gaming is... Exactly yeah. that. So everybody Much should check that out. Yes. Yeah, super, super proud of the great editorial team. I have to give them kudos. They make me look good. <laughs> so salute to them. They work hard. Absolutely. Destin, what are you up to? Any, any uh, IGN projects you want to promote or anything else going on? Yeah, I'm, I'm writing a review for IGN. I haven't written a review in a long time, but uh, that's embargoed. I can't really talk about that. There's a ton of stuff that I can't really discuss for IGN right now, but you're going to see a lot of my content hit the site over the next several weeks uh, leading into September. Like there's events coming up and just a lot of things, but I can't get into specifics. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, if you like the vloggy style thing that I do, you can check me out over on youtube.com slash channel for that. And I make cookies still. So if you want cookies, oh. Excellent. Uh, as for me, you know what? I'll give a game. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plug a game here uh, just because it's a game I've been having fun with and I actually need to, Get back into it tonight because it's out. Was out. Was out. It's out this week. Uh, and that game, it's it's a Game Pass game. Day one, Midnight Fight Express. Go oh, check I was it out. Talk about that game too. I like you. Oh, I love that game. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's it's, good. it's fun as hell. Yeah, it's a good like kind of old fashioned beat 'em up, but it's you know it's modern isometric 3D graphics, but it's got kind of an old school feel to it. Yeah. Uh, I'm into it. It's uh, you know, you just you wake up, you're not quite sure who you are. But you know, a bunch of guys need to get the crap kicked out of them. And that's, that's yeah. really all you need to know. I love it. Visceral skill tree, good, cool fighting system. Again, throwback to the old days. Yes. Of like the Double Dragons, the Streets of Rage. I, I, it's funny you said that because I literally fired it up and I was like, oh, I'm going to play for a couple of minutes just to see how it is. And then, you know, an hour went by. Like, exactly. Oh, <laughs> like, whoops. Yeah. Everybody should check that out. And then uh, I'm on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. I don't think I've got any other. I mean, you already watched. I, I hosted with Destin uh, our live opening night live post show up earlier in the week. We had a good time doing that. Um, but yeah, next gen console watch. Uh, that's on. I'm on that every Friday at I got to host this morning. Yeah, Destin, you hosted us this week <laughs> since fun. Damon's in Germany. Yeah, you had a yeah. you, you did good. You did good. So finally got me on the show. So, yeah, that's I'm up to the usual stuff at IGN. But, uh, yeah, you can always find me on Twitter or on IGN.com. Uh, thank you to Dan and Jobert in the back making all the technical. This is not as easy as it looks. Uh, it looks effortless on the screen to everybody watching and listening. But it is uh, it is a very complicated technical endeavor here to patch the studio up with these guys uh, at home. And I appreciate their efforts in making it happen. So with that... We're done. This was Podcast Unlocked, episode 558. We'll be back next week.